Welcome back to Twigs on the Rocks, episode five. I'm Leo Blonder. This is Abe Lovich. And today we have a very special episode. We're interviewing Captain Jake Goddett from the UMass Minutemen. Jake, what's up? Thanks for having me. No problem. So I think we'll just start off right on the bat. I got a question for you. Like, so you played junior hockey and like you start off in like you were in the Kemp. Ville 73s, right? Yeah. Yeah, in Ottawa. So what was that like making the transition from the, that team there to UMass? Um, it was intimidating at first. There's not a lot of um, Division One commits out of the CCHL. There's a handful every year. It's not like the USHL. Um, and a lot of those commits, a lot of guys uh, go to the Atlantic Hockey League. So to come into Hockey East was a bit intimidating. You know, we have some high-end uh, USHL players. Um, and just in general, there's, there's not a lot of Hockey East uh, pipeline from the CCHL. So at first it was intimidating, but, you know, the coaching staff's great. We were, I kind of came in at the, uh, the turnaround of our program. So it was predominantly freshman, and uh, it was a really good situation for me to go into. Oh, nice. So growing up in Canada, in Ottawa, how was your childhood, like, hockey-wise and just normally, like, how did you grow up? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I grew up in Ottawa. So when I played juniors in Kempville, I actually got to live at home, which is a bit different than a lot of guys that uh, bill it and live elsewhere, which was really nice. But yeah, I mean, Canada, obviously, Ottawa, especially, it's just diehard hockey. So like I've been skating since I was probably close to three. Uh, we had a brink in my backyard when I was growing up. So we'd have that going. My dad would flood it every night and uh, he'd skate in the winter during hockey season, which was awesome. Um, and that was kind of the thing to do. I know in the U.S. there's a lot of football, there's a lot of other sports, but especially in Ottawa, hockey is really the, the main sport. So it was a lot of fun to play. A lot of my buddies played. Um, and growing up, it was a great time. Yeah. Yeah so. yeah, so you clearly made it so far to all the way being to the captain of the UMass Minutemen. But, like, like, four or five years ago when you were still in the juniors in Canada, like, what was something you could say to yourself to, like, really push you, like, keep going? like while you're making the transition now and even beforehand when you were just like grinding to be the best that you could be yeah so I actually took an even more unique path maybe to the NCAA so when I was in high school I believe minor Bantam if I want to go way back I played triple a and I was kind of a late bloomer so that was like the highest level and I think the next year there started to be kind of like exposure to the OHL where that was kind of the stressful thing where kids were trying to get drafted to the OHL I actually got cut uh, basically all through high school from the highest level. So I played double A, um, grade 10, 11. And then going into my senior year of high school, I actually got cut from a major midget triple A team, which was like really, really disappointing at the time. A lot of the guys moved on to the OHL. There was spots on that team to play in. Uh, and I got cut. So I ended up finding a different triple A team to play for in Ottawa, the Eastern Ontario Wild. And, uh, Played for that team. I played a year of junior B, um, actually junior B my senior year of high school, and then played for Kempville for three years. So for me, I kind of played just based off the fact that I wanted to kind of be the best hockey player that I could be. And I felt that from being cut in high school, you know, I was capable of a lot more. So I wanted to, to push myself. And I really had no aspirations till juniors of, of playing college hockey. I just really wanted to, to be the best player I could be. And then as I went along that journey I made it to Kempville my first year of 30 of the 60 games I was supposed to be on the bubble uh, I worked really hard in the summer all those summers and uh, 
ended up playing all the games. And then by my 20 year old year, it had kind of materialized that I would have some, some NCAA options. I ended up breaking my foot or my ankle. I had surgery uh, my 20 year old year and lucky enough, UMass was still there and they were willing to take me. So to answer your question, there wasn't really a lot, but I knew that, you know, if, if I had worked as hard as I could and that NCAA options or not, at the end of the day, I was going to be happy with, with kind of what I'd put on the ice. Yeah. So do you think being cut uh, multiple times really put a chip on your shoulder and helped you work harder to get where you are now and to reach your goals? I think so. I think it's like some, some life advice too. Like, you know, I, I kind of ate that at an early age and I honestly think it helped my, uh, my outlook from a hockey standpoint. Cause for me, I was just playing simply because I loved hockey and, uh, I played on a team that was like unbelievable, the level below. So I played double A. Um, our team was like the number one team in Ontario. We were like 27 and two, like a bunch of buddies from my high school. Like we just basically ran the league. It was awesome. And I got to play like a bunch of other sports too. So I played, you know, volleyball, basketball, soccer, played everything in high school. So for me, I think it, it was, it was great to kind of have that uh, sort of adversity early on in my hockey career because it also helped me realize that kids at the higher levels at that time weren't necessarily training. There was, you know, you could outwork them in the gym. And then as you kind of grow and mature, that becomes a huge difference maker. So when you're 16, if there's kids that aren't training and, you know, you're training the full summer, you're going to be able to, to jump past them. And that kind of showed me the, the importance of an off season training and, and all that sort of thing um, in terms of making the jump to the next level. Wow. Yeah. So now that you're at the next level for where you were before, you've played a couple years at UMass, but you're going to be the captain next year. So can you tell us what this means to you and what do you think you would make or why do you think you would make a good captain? Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I've been at UMass for, for three years now. And before I came in, when I committed to UMass, they were a five-win team. So when I met with Coach Carvel in, in my recruiting visit, he told me that, you know, they were going to change the program and they wanted us to they wanted to recreate the culture at UMass and put us on a national level. So I've, I've seen that, you know, we, we lost the national championship last, not this season, but the last one. And you can kind of just see the transition. So for me, I've been on the ground level. I've seen that. Um, and my class, especially our senior classes, is awesome. We've got guys, you know, Kale McCarthy. So going off of what you just previously said, we're talking about, the national championship what was the journey like throughout the whole thing what was the experience like because it sounds like a once in a lifetime opportunity and it just sounds very unique and special so what was that like yeah when we were there um it was in buffalo the whole frozen four experience you get the feeling when you're there like obviously you know i would love to go back and i think we got a pretty good chance we had a pretty good chance this season they got canceled and this season coming up but just being there it was a pretty special moment and being a part of a program turnaround like that was really cool. So like the UMass alumni, the fans, everybody, they've been kind of starved for, for some hockey success for a while. And to kind of have that program turn around and to be a part of it and then to have the support of the fans through the whole season where, you know, we climbed the, the national rankings. And then there were some ups and downs too, even at the end of the year, you know, we lost in the semifinals of the hockey East playoffs to, to Boston college three, nothing. And then going into the tournament, it was kind of like, wow, like, you know, we, we thought we would make it to the, the finals of the playoffs and, and to have that disappointment and then go into the tournament and kind of go on a run. You know, we beat, uh, we beat Harvard and then Notre Dame 
And then just to be that like excitement for the two weeks going into the frozen four was crazy. We, uh, we were lucky enough. We actually chartered a plane to Buffalo. And I remember, uh, taking off the whole experience, just being on a, on a private plane was pretty cool. We're in midair and, uh, and the boys are looking around you can start to smell something. And we're like, Oh my God, like, that smells like chocolate chip cookies. We're looking around and then sure enough, this guy comes walking up the aisle. He's got fresh chocolate chip cookies and milk. We had a, uh, like a police escort through downtown Buffalo when we got there. It was, it was crazy. Like it's one of the coolest things I've been a part of. And, you know, as much as it's, it's disappointing to not, win it when we got that close in the national stage um it, it was a, a something experience like I'll, I'll just never forget wow yeah that's um yeah. so there was a two-week period in between the first two rounds and then the frozen four what was that like like the training wise and just getting yourself mentally ready yeah it was it was pretty cool um we kind of just took it normally like i think the weekend in between um the regionals and the frozen four i think we, we kept practicing pretty much um but it was weird because like all your buddies that you play hockey with that are playing at other schools everyone's done so you're the last team going so you know you see snapchats other teams they're out of bars and stuff and you're still in like full season mode you're ready to go for the playoffs so um our coaches do a great job at uh, preparing us you know we watch a ton of videos a ton of game plan stuff um so I remember that those first two weeks, it was, you know, we were completely ready for, uh, for Denver. Right. Yeah. And you guys beat Denver that season. Yeah. 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 To, make it to the finals. What was that like in that specific game against Denver, which I believe you, you guys won four to three in overtime. Like that must've been a thrilling game. And yeah. So what it was, was crazy. Like on the ice? Yeah. So we, uh, even the, the start of that game, um, you know, there's all the hype, like there's media stuff. It's, it's crazy. I remember we came out for warmups and like, everyone's like, you got the gist, right? It's so exciting. You're in the frozen four. We skate out and uh, the organizers for the tournament, there was no pucks. So everyone's skating around and warm up for like the first 45 seconds. And all of a sudden, like it kind of broke the tension, I guess. We're kind of laughing about it. It's like, wow, we're on the, we're at the frozen four and there's no pucks out here for warm up. But that game was that game was wild. So we uh, we jumped out I think to a quick three nothing lead. If you look at some of the goals, I think the second goal, the Denver goalie kind of fell. We scored on the power play, and there was almost no goalie in the net. So we jumped out to a three nothing lead, and uh, we were looking pretty good. I think till the third, Denver mounted a comeback. We lost a couple of guys to uh, penalties. We got kicked out. I think Chafee and Hildenbrand, two of our uh, our leaders. And then uh, we, we blew it, basically, in the third. Denver came back, tied it up. We went into overtime. We were running with like, a short bench. But we had a great team. Like, we still do, but we had a great team that year. Um, we went in the locker room, and we just knew that kind of we kept playing our game plan, and, and things kept going our way and stuck to, to what we were doing, that we were going to find a way to win in overtime. And uh, Mark Delgaizo from the blue line scored the, uh, the game winner. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That must have been very exciting, obviously, winning in the semifinals in overtime to go to the finals. But in the finals, you lost to Minnesota Duluth, which must have sucked. But how was your mentality going into next year? Obviously, you must have been pretty sad in the beginning. But did you guys turn that into positive energy and use that as adversity and just keep pushing forwards? And you guys pretty much had a chip on your shoulder. Is that it pretty much? Yeah, I think so. I think – you know, it was, it was cool to get that far, but for all of us, we, you know, we were just that like one step short. So 
we were definitely pretty motivated um, to come back and try and get to that that stage again and, and seal the deal. Yeah. So coming off of that, like, what was your favorite hockey moment just of that season? Oh, that's a good question. Um, there's a bunch of them. We had a bunch of games during that whole season where we scored with like a minute left. Like we scored with like two seconds left against Boston College to win it last minute. We scored early on in October uh, against Providence at, at home, I think. And then we scored again on the road with like a minute left to win it. And that was kind of the first inkling of that season that it was going to be pretty special. And then after that, we went on a run. We ended up in the rankings and stuff like that. But uh, for me, that, that Mark Delgado's overtime goal was the coolest hockey moment I've been a part of by far. Yeah, I could only imagine what that must have felt like. So fast forward to this past season, you got injured, which obviously sucked. So what was it like coming off that injury and just pushing forwards? And what was it like having that injury and finding out that we weren't going to be able to play for a while? Yeah, it was it was hard. Like, it was really frustrating. I was pretty fortunate the year before when we went on our run. I don't think I missed a single game. I was healthy the whole year. And it's something you kind of take for granted, especially – That are, that are not functioning in your body. So that was, it was hard. Um, and the nature of the injury that I had, it wasn't something that uh, is like easily diagnosed. So I played through it for three or four weeks. My play kind of decreased and deteriorated to the point where, you know, I was the guy going into the coaches meetings, kind of like, what was going on? Why, why aren't you playing well anymore? Um, so that was hard, especially, you know, anytime you're in the stands watching the boys play, you can't practice. It's, it's difficult to, to be separated from them. Um, but in terms of coming back, you know, I, I've always been the same way when I get hurt, I'm going to do every single thing I can to, to get back as fast as possible. So you kind of compartmentalize things where for me, it was, you know, I'm going to figure out, talk to all the specialists, figure out what I need to do to get back. And I'm going to figure out how far I can push those limits so I can, you know, get back as fast as possible. But for me, you know, I came back, I wasn't quite a hundred percent till maybe the last five games of the season, I think. And so it's a bit frustrating you know that I kind of got back to 100% and the season got canceled um, but you know there's more incentive for next year I'm excited now I feel great and uh, it's even more exciting to come in next year and kind of be healthy again yeah. yeah so like clearly you've shown a lot of resilience here but is there any like specific things you're doing to like stay sharp stay ready like stay quick during quarantine like is there any like specific workouts or routines you've been adapting to during these times yeah so I uh I love lifting you know I like working out in the off season I actually enjoy it and that's uh something I kind of fell in love with uh, when I was you know 17 or 18 in junior so I love you know squatting deadlifting all that stuff uh, when quarantine hit it was like okay I'm not gonna be able to go to the gym so I was trying to figure out ways to to get around that so I actually figured out that my old high school the uh trainer there he was willing to buy uh, weights and like a squat bar and stuff off me at the end of quarantine so I was able to pick up a squat bar um, some heavier weights and kind of continue that sort of lifting style through quarantine which has been awesome but on top of that you know I try and stay on top of mobility and stretching all the time you know I'm, I'm 24 now so uh, you know my body's not quite as nimble as weird as it is to say I'm not quite as nimble as I was when I was you know 18 or 19 so I'm, I'm definitely trying to stay on top of all that stuff, stretching, uh, working out pretty much every day. Yeah. yeah. So 
going into next season before every game, like what, what what's going through your mind before puck drop, like when you're about to take a face off? Yeah. Um, we do a lot of stuff at UMass. It's actually really cool. So we do a ton of uh, like mental skills training, imagery, you know, diaphragmatic breathing, things to kind of help you be present in the moment and I guess perform mentally on an elite level as well as a physical one. So for us, uh, just we emphasize a lot of the routine. So for me, I show up to the rink probably half an hour early, get all my sticks taped. I, you know, I eat the same thing. And even during the whole game day routine, you know, I eat very similar. I get a good nap in. Um, play sewer ball with the boys that's probably some of my favorite hockey memories um but then it's it's once you you know you play enough games you get into warm-up you kind of do the same routines you have same habits with different players and then once you get to, to puck drop it's almost you know it's fun I look forward to to games the most because we, we practice really hard at UMass so there's days where I think our practices are almost higher than games so it's, it's fun to get out and be able to actually compete and, uh, and play against a different team. You're not hitting each other. You're hitting somebody else. Yeah. And so you clearly practiced so hard for each game. So you clearly have so much energy going through games. So you probably notice, like, how good the opponents are and how, to, and how you stack up against them. But something I'm wondering is who is the best player you've ever played against yourself? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, there's obviously, there's a lot of, we play against some really skilled teams. So there's players on BU, players on BC that are, that are phenomenal. But I think like, even to me, one of the most skilled players, he's a bit of a sleeper, I think, plays for, uh, plays for UConn. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, Ishikov, he's like a little, a Russian forward. But he, I remember he's burned me a couple times in the neutral zone. He's one of the, the shiftier guys I've played against. But I think we're fortunate in hockey. East. We play against a good mix of programs. You got Providence and Lowell that are pretty, uh, tough to play against and they're heavy and then you get some of the more skilled teams with the like younger draft picks on BU, BC, um, you know kids that are probably going to go play in the NHL eventually but they got to stack up against the uh, the older guys like me and my teammates that are 24, 23. Yeah he was picked 20 or sorry he's picked 43rd overall by the Islanders in 2018 so mm -hmm. yeah he's very good. Um, so who's your favorite NHL player growing up? And favorite team. Yeah, I was an Ottawa fan growing up. It's too bad they haven't been as good as they were for a while lately. But growing up, I loved Daniel Alfredson. I uh, loved Mike Fisher. Those are probably my two favorite players. And when I played summer hockey, um, a guy I played with, his family billeted Stefan DaCosta. And I actually got to skate with him a bunch. So for a while, I had uh, a jersey that he had given me that I wore all the time. So he was also on my list of favorite Ottawa Senators. Wow. Yeah. And I got to throw Sean Van Allen on the list too. He's one of my uh, all-time favorites. Wow. Yeah. And speaking of the senators, weren't you invited to a training camp uh, for the senators? So like, what was that like getting really to interact with like an NHL team? Like that's the top level. That's like the end goal. Like what was it like really meeting with them and like showing them what you could do? Yeah, it was, it was really cool. So I got invited to the Sens development camp. I think they had, they must have had a, somebody drop out or they still had room. So I ended up hearing probably like a week before camp um, that I got invited. So I was fortunate that I was already training and I was in pretty good shape to go. But it was, it was cool, especially jumping. So I hadn't played at UMass yet when I went to the Sens camp. That was straight from the CCHL and Kempville. So to go from Kempville to playing against, you know, the cream of the crop in the OHL and high-end NCAA picks, 
was really cool. And, and to notice that, you know, the gap isn't as big as you think, like those guys, their habits, their details maybe are a little bit better, but in terms of speed and, and physicality and strength in the weight room, you know, I was kind of on par. So that something that actually helped me adjust to UMass as well was having that kind of experience under my belt. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like, Clearly, as you, you played with, like, those guys at the top level, you clearly know, like, who these top guys are. And I was, like, wondering if you could pick any NHL player to compare yourself to for your playing style, who would you go with? I don't know. That's a hard question. Um, my coach, one of my assistant coaches, wants me to play more like Milan Lucic. But uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I, I admire Patrice Bergeron's game a lot. He's really uh, – centerman defensive plays both sides of the puck really well so you know if I could have someone I really want to play like <laughs> he'd be up there um but maybe mixed in with the physicality of Milan Lucic too honestly I've, I have no idea I haven't thought about that a lot wow yeah and so I was also wondering like clearly we're in like lockdown now with coronavirus and College hockey will continue soon, but how do you think it's going to continue? Will you get your season as a captain? Like, where do you think it's it's all headed? I'm not sure. Things I've heard lately, it's looking a little bit more optimistic than it did at one point. I know we'll, we'll probably get to play hockey. The ins and outs and the protocol with coronavirus and all that stuff, I, I have no idea. So, you know, they could test me every day. They could do whatever they want. Uh, I'm going to be happy just to be able to play hockey. So I'm hoping – that you know come the fall we won't have to miss too many games depending on what's going to happen yeah and obviously next season last season so after next season if you if you can go that far where do you think your hockey career is headed and if hockey is not really in your future where do you think you know your life is headed yeah um you know i'd love to play pro hockey so you know i gotta put a good season forward next year and, you know, for me, I've never been really focused on individual achievement, you know, so I, I hope our team does really well next year. And uh, that's, you know, my main focus. And if, if I get a shot to play pro after that from that, then I'd be, you know, I'd be thrilled. Um, I want to play hockey as, as long as I can, but I've been pretty honest my whole career about making sure that, you know, once hockey, you know, once I move on from hockey or once that's not an option anymore, I'm going to have some, some good career paths. So I've been super our business school, shameless plug, Eisenberg. Um, so I've had some experience managing money in, in finance, and I'm actually doing an internship this summer working in private equity. So I'm living up at my cottage. I'm, I'm working pretty much every day. I train in the morning, and then I go out and I fish or I golf at night. So it's a, it's a pretty sweet setup. Nice. Yeah, that, that sounds like – it sounds pretty nice. Yeah. And so thank you so much for coming on to our show. Like, it's been amazing to have you. And I'm Abe Lovitch. This is Leo Blondner. And thank you so much for Jake Got It for coming on to our show, Twigs on the Rocks. So everyone have a nice night.